Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Mamas No Best. We got something to say podcast. I am on with Tashina, who is a mom of two beautiful girls, a wife, as well as a blogger with the Cinnamon Mom. How are you, Tashina? I'm doing great. Thank you. Great. Um, happy Saturday. So um, why don't we dive right in? What made you start your blog, Cinnamon Mom, and where did you get the name from? Um, so I'll start with the name. There's actually a book called The Colors of Us by an author named Karen Katz. Okay. And in the book, it's all about this um, little girl and her mom as they're walking through their neighborhood. And um, as they come across their friends and their neighbors and people who work around them in their community, um, the mom and the daughter are talking about how everybody has a different skin color and they compare their skin color to um, a different type of food. So some people have skin that's, you know, like creamy peanut butter or chocolate like cupcakes. And um, one of the uh, characters are described as having a cinnamon skin. And so um, my oldest, who was two at the time, actually said, hey, mom, like you have cinnamon skin too. Aww. And that's right around the time when I was trying to get my blog kind of started and brainstorm ideas for it. And I was like, I'll just call myself the cinnamon mom. Awesome. And then I also just kind of tied it into <laughs> like cinnamon is a spice that you kind of use on a lot of different things. And since my blog covers so many different topics, I was like, well, it'll just be like a sprinkle of me here. And I there. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the reason that I started my blog, first of all, was just to kind of connect with other moms who were in that same stage of life. So um, at the time I had a four month old and a fresh two year old and I just became a stay at home mom. And so I was just looking for um, ways to, like I said, to connect with other moms and then also kind of just to share the things that I was learning along the way, because there isn't a manual <coughs> or a handbook. There isn't anything that kind of guides you through parenthood or how to deal with different situations. And so I was hoping that the experiences that I was sharing would be helpful to somebody or that they would find, you know, some useful tidbits or at least get a good laugh from some of the situations we were in. What were some of the references? And we'll kind of go back to like kind of your motherhood journey. And um, I know you were a teacher. That was your profession. Mm -hmm. But you, I believe you got a degree in education. Yeah. Um, but what were some of the references you went to when you were becoming a new mom? Like, what were some of the things that you looked to? Yeah, I mean, I honestly is just people, just <laughs> my, my older sister, she's seven years older than me. She had kids before me and got married before me. So she was somebody that I talked to a lot. Um, I found this really great club where I was living. Uh, we were in California at the time, and um, it was a group of about 100 women, and we would meet not all of us at the same sure. time, but small groups of us would meet periodically and just have play dates and kind of just support each other and share each, you know, share our lives with each Your other. Stories and so, and yeah, exactly. 
And so they were a huge resource for me, definitely. Um, So just talking to people, I didn't, at the time that I didn't have a blog that I followed or any books that I was reading or anything like that. It was mostly just based on different conversations that I had with different moms. Sure. Yeah. Kind of the same thing with me. I think the only reference, because I was breastfeeding, um, was Kelly Mom. Like eventually Kelly Mom became like my go-to reference for like anything. I was like, okay, how many, how many bottles, you know, how many ounces should I be pumping and different Mm -hmm. kind of um, like recommendations just because it was completely brand new to me. But other than that, same thing, I think it was just talking to people or you kind of Google, you know, a couple things for me, like I'd Google like, well, is this normal? And (laughs) you hope that the reference that you're getting online is something that sounds, you know, um, uh, right and that it's correct. Mm-hmm. But same, I think it's something about, you know, having that village is so super important and you don't realize it until after you have your kids. And then, you know, I would feel bad about all of my friends who had kids before me. And I'm like, gosh, you know, if they had them younger, you know, I'm like, gosh, what was their reference? Because they had kids younger than me and they were like, you know, new moms and like my heart yeah. would go out to them because I'm like, I had my son older. Um, so I had more of a community than let's say they did. And I realized how important that was. But Sashina, why don't you um, go back kind of from the beginning. So you do have a degree in education um, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, talk briefly about that. Yeah. So I pretty much always known that I wanted to be a teacher, that I wanted a path in education. My dad worked in higher ed and at universities and colleges for most of his professional career. So, you know, over 30 years or so. And um, so I kind of saw things at the far end, what happens once you get all of the earlier years out of the way, how being, having an education can help you accomplish or succeed or just guide you to whatever your path is in life. And so um, I knew that education was important. It's something that I always valued, but I decided to start at the very beginning and um, pursue early childhood education so that Um, I could help just build a strong foundation for kids from the very beginning so that they could get all the way up to wherever it is they wanted to go when they're older. Um, And so I um, got my degree in elementary education with an emphasis in child development um, Mm -hmm. and family science because that aspect of school always or of education and children always fascinated me. So you have kids in your classroom and you know how to teach them things, but it's also important to understand their background or how to help support them from empathetic aspect of it. Their family standpoint. Um, And then I, um, on top of getting a degree, you also have to get a teaching credential that um, certifies that you uh, are, you know, that you are qualified to be a teacher. So, I did all of that, um, and once I finished earning my teaching credential, I realized that teaching was so much work. Um, So it's not just being in the classroom, it's having conferences, it's going to professional development, it's testing, it's grading, it's nonstop. And so um, I took a little break for a little bit. I wasn't quite ready to jump in a classroom right away. And then... um, you know, my heart just found the passion again. And I, <laughs> and I um, actually started teaching in Compton, California. Oh, wow. I know Compton has a really bad rep. You know, you think of violence. Like unsafe, but really it's right. just families, just low income that are trying to survive, right? Exactly. And I just fell in love with the community. There are so many parents who just wanted the best for their kids. And so many children just coming to school each day, so grateful and eager to learn. And 
you know, and I just loved it. Um, so I, I mean, I, I hope that I'm able to go back to a classroom someday. I was but actually going to ask you, cause I know, um, you know, uh, you had, we had spoken before, so I know you had mentioned that um, obviously once your, your daughter's, once your first, once your first daughter came and you were pumping and doing all of that stuff and mm -hmm. then you were like, okay, I can't do both with two children. Right. Do you want to go back? Especially, I mean, uh, obviously not with COVID, but um, uh, actually this is a twofold question. One, do you eventually want to go back? And two, how hard really is it for teachers in this day and age in general? Like, do you think they get enough support? Um, yeah, kind of touch into that. Like, what do you think teachers really need in this country? And not yeah. aside from COVID, because obviously that's a... <laughs> that's a whole... That's a whole other thing. I couldn't even imagine being a teacher right now in the current state of the yeah. world. Um, so the reason I, I did love teaching very, very much, and I stopped because it is so demanding. It is so time consuming. And um, when I stopped teaching, I just had my second daughter and I wanted to be able to devote the time to them that I felt like they deserved um, and the time to my family, my husband, too. He's so he was so patient, understanding. Um, and so I um, and so, I mean, ultimately I left it and I, I missed it very much. I would like to go back to teaching possibly when my, um, when my younger daughter begins school. I mean, depending on what the circumstances are like then. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> but I, I definitely, you know, I mean, I can't imagine staying home once both of my kids are in school. I, I think I would be bored, honestly. I know that there are a lot of moms who are able to be really productive all day long. Um, but I do picture myself eventually going back to a classroom. I think, and especially you have a passion. I mean, being an educator, and like you said, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, to be a parent and to be a working mother outside of the home, that's, it's difficult, right? Because mm -hmm. obviously, if we're not obviously, because there are some working mothers that they just, they have to make a living, but you're, you obviously followed something that was your passion, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so to kind of just give that up, I can't imagine that it's like, no, it's like in you, you know, right. so I can imagine something that I worked for it for so long and, you know, invested so much time really honing my craft and becoming better at it. And I, not that I'm not using it now as a parent, there are definitely a lot of teaching yeah. skills that I use at home, but um, it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, as far as, you know, how do I feel teachers are seen these days, I definitely think that they're underappreciated. Um, obviously, they're underpaid. There is there. I mean, teaching, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been in an administrative position at a school, so I can't say much about you know, who's determining what and where funding is coming from and how that's being allocated and things like that. But I will say that in my classroom, I had 31 kindergartners and that's too many kids to have, too many young kids to have in one class. It's impossible to get to everybody. So, I mean, I definitely think that class sizes and teacher to student ratio needs to be reevaluated so that we can better meet the needs of all the kids. And then, um, I'm not sure if it was just the school that I was at or, you know, every school's funding situation is different, but um, I did have to do some crowdfunding to be able to afford things for my classroom. So um, there's a really wonderful um, platform called DonorsChoose.org. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's kind of like a GoFundMe for teachers, yeah. but that's one way that a lot of teachers go um, so that they can provide things for their students that they're not getting directly from the school. 
And then other than that, things, of course, come out of pocket a lot. Of course. And I think, you know, and we can, that's a probably whole rabbit hole we can go under. Like you said, you know, no one knows who's in charge. You know, that's a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. But I have quite a few teacher friends and um, yeah, they're always posting on Facebook, like, hey, if you would like to donate to my class. And I'm like, how are we in like the United States? Like yeah. teachers saying like, donate to my class. Like, I think you hit the nail on the head before you were like, yes, your father was a, you know, a teacher, a professor of higher education or, you know. He was an administrator. At okay, administrator. But mm-hmm. that higher where you're like, you know, a lot of times it's really the, the early um, education where it begins, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do they say? The first five years of a child's life kind of really determines a lot, you know, yeah. of, um, what they're ingesting, what they're learning, how they're being supportive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for teachers, especially at the young level, to not have that support is just like mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know even with the COVID, like my son is in daycare, but I think there's only like six kids in his class because they also split and, you know, asked parents if you wanted to do online or whoever needed to do on site, we had to do on site. And I've seen a difference because there's only six kids in the class before. I think there was like 20, even though there was two teachers and, you know, they had enough, but there's really more one-on-one time. For sure. Um, and I can see the difference. And that's just the daycare. I mean, he's going to be three. Um, so I can imagine in a kindergarten or set, if you have one teacher to 30 kids, even if your heart, as much as your heart is in it and you want to touch every student, it's just impossible. There's going to mm-hmm. be a student who feels like they didn't get enough, you know, and that's, that's a little disheartening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially coming from, um, in, you know, in some particular cases, the community that I was in, not all of their parents were equipped to support them from home. So on yeah. top of trying to help them in school, I'm educating their parents on ways to continue working with them when they're not at school. So yeah, that's a lot of responsibility lot. to put on a teacher, especially a young teacher, because I'm sure a lot of um, teachers that start, they're coming right out of college, mm-hmm. they might have to go to the school where they're like, wait, now I have to help parents too, because some of these parents, especially in the low income neighborhoods, they don't know any better you know, and they want to know, they just, they just don't know how. Um, <clears throat> so what do, what have you enjoyed? We'll kind of pivot a little bit. What have you enjoyed about blogging? Um, what seemed to be your most, um, I guess, top rated, you know, where you check your Google analytics that people yeah. love on your blog, which I think is so interesting that they even have that, but um, yeah. yeah, what do you enjoy? You know, what have you really gotten out of it so far? I mean, I love going and checking my analytics. (laughs) I love seeing what types of links people are clicking on and seeing what people are interested in. And um, it changes so much all the time. Right now, for actually the past several months, my most viewed blog post has been a recipe for vegetable soup, which is really, (laughs) it's been pretty consistently, like that's been pretty high on the list for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, since the summer, the months have gotten a little bit warmer, it's dropped down to like four or five on the list. But for most of the last year, it has been number one. Um, something else that's really disheartening though right now is, um, I wrote a post about my husband and I have different viewpoints on whether or not children should be spanked. And, um, the post in itself is more about coming together as parents and making a decision for your family that suits everybody. It's not so much about spanking itself, Mm -hmm. but, um, that's a post that has been looked at a lot lately. And so I can tell that parents are struggling at home right now because they're seeking answers. They want to know how to 
Um, yeah, how to discipline their kids, how to just impact their behavior right now. And so I can tell from that that a lot of parents are struggling. And then another post that um, has been coming up a lot is one that I wrote about my husband and I attending marriage counseling. Mm. So I can also see that there are a lot of couples that are struggling in their homes right now. So to pick, so that's pre-COVID, I guess. So this is your, this is during COVID. These are kind of your, wow. So yeah. pre-COVID, what were people really looking at? Um, mostly recipes, learning activities to do with their kids. So now it's more of the personal relationship, how to manage that. Wow. Yeah. And that, I mean, and, and those two posts that I just mentioned, the marriage counseling and the spanking, those are both old posts. I, I wrote both of them over a year and a half ago. Wow. And um, to see that they are ranking so high lately, I can, I can tell, you know, what people are going through in their homes. Yeah, no, and, and I'm sure it's tough. Um, again, you have, you know, people working from home trying to also educate their child or go, you know, mm -hmm. um, as far as doing schoolwork, you know, and having to manage that. Um, I just couldn't even imagine. My sister has a nine month old and she's working from home and she's like, I'm trying to um, keep her entertained. I'm trying to, what's the word when you're trying to not elevate, but um, not entice, but like just basically like engage them? engage correct engage mm -hmm. her properly and you know uh, just she's at nine months so she's she's ready yeah. to walk. my sister's like but i you know she's she works for a lawyer's office so she's like there's oh my no goodness you know so i'm like oh my god i couldn't even imagine because it's not you're not a stay-at-home mom and you're no you're a working mother who's at home who then has to figure out how to keep your child engaged properly and not just put on a tv so uh, yeah, that's hard. That's a really big, busy age. I can, like I said before, I really couldn't imagine right now trying to work through all of this. It's, Same. it's really challenging. Same. So what um, activities have you like been working on um, with your with your daughters during this time? Like, what have you guys been doing? Have you yeah. set up like, a classroom style? Is it more Montessori style? I would definitely say more Montessori style. Um, my two girls have very different personalities and um, learning styles <laughs> and so um it's definitely more play-based right now i don't sit down and do a lot of direct instruction it's not me you know pointing out the alphabet and teaching them how to memorize things um it's everything we're doing is definitely play-based so for my five-year-old she's getting ready to start kindergarten at the very end of this month which i cannot believe and so with us it's just a lot of games to um well, she's already reading, so it's a lot of games to practice letter sounds, to work on sight words if we're reading together. And I notice that she's struggling with some words, then I'll pull those out and we'll just play some games with them until she um, is able to kind of work through them. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of math activities we're doing um, addition. So we have magnets that we use on a board or she's practicing handwriting. So we're getting her ready for school. And then with my little one, um, who is three, it's a lot of puzzles and crafts and sensory bins. And things now, like I know that. you said they learn differently. So it, the misconception, or I guess the, the thing that you think is, oh, you have your five-year-old, your three-year-old, so your three-year-old definitely wants to do everything your five-year-old wants mm -hmm. to do. It's going to catch on the same. Is that what you've seen? Or is your three-year-old like, look, I just want to do my own thing? 
So she, the three-year-old gets interested in what the five-year-old is doing, but she doesn't necessarily want to do it. <laughs> like we were playing a memory card game the other day, just working on um, letter sounds. Cognitive and, and things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the three-year-old came and she played for like a minute and then she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And she walked away because it's just like too stationary for her. So then how do you, you're one person though, with mm-hmm. two different ages. So then what do you do? Do you like the five-year-old? Because I guess she, she could do more independent. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you kind of let her sit and then, you know, um, cater yeah. to, in a way to the three-year-old and kind of go back and forth? I do try to give them both independent activities. So um, for the five-year-old, since we are preparing her for school, she is doing a little bit more. Um, I mean, at school, your teacher's not next to you the whole time. So we are getting used to her kind of doing more things on her own. Mm-hmm. And when she's having that independent time, whether it's handwriting or just like doing puzzles or whatever by herself, then I'll go sit with the three-year-old and maybe we'll read a book that is more geared toward her or um, do an activity or like a sensory bin or something that's more geared toward her. Okay. And when you, when, when does school start? You're in South Carolina, correct? Mm-hmm. When does and, uh, start? It's going to, the first day is the 31st for us. Okay. And then how now, are you going to get more structured with your five-year-old? Are you going to do it to then? Because gosh, I mean, I don't know when things would change. We really don't know. Um, so how, what is your, what is your like in a perfect world i would like to we're gonna this is what we're gonna do it's gonna be structured or are you also going to kind of keep it play-based but instill some of the i guess um objectives that the school has kind of laid out laid out yeah i mean there are a lot of reasons that i'm disappointed that she doesn't go to get to go to in-person school and i wouldn't send her right now i don't think that it is the right time for her to be there but um i was looking forward to having a little bit more one-on-one time with my three-year-old um so since that isn't going to be happening i i imagine i'll have to get very creative um her school hasn't laid out exactly what her daily schedule is going to look like yet. So um, I imagine that I'll base our routine off of what the school, what the virtual school day is going to look like. So um, depending when she needs to be on the screen or when she needs to be doing work that's assigned by her teacher. I have, we, this is our first experience with virtual learning. So I really I have no idea how it's going to work. I don't know how much time it's going to consume during the day. So I'm kind of just waiting still to figure that out. So how do you feel? How do you feel, Tashina? Like, you know, um, you seem so like level-headed and calm and you, very, you actually remind me very much of my husband, like just very like, oh, it's good. But how are you feeling with all of this? I mean, I think that I've, I've fallen into like the internet at nighttime trying to self-diagnose myself and I have determined that I have high functioning anxiety. Mm. So like I still feel all of the stress and worry that maybe a little bit more than other people, but I'm able to be productive through it wow. and I seek to control the things that I can. And so that's kind of where I am right now is like, I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to control the things that are within my power. But there's also a lot that I can't do anything about it. Even if I'm stressed about it, I just have to wait. And, and is see. that the part that gives you the anxiety, the part that's like the unknown? Absolutely. It's just not, not being sure, not being able to control that part of it. And I think that's like the definition too, right? Like what, 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 like anxiety or it's the worry. It's what keeps us worried, what keeps us always that unknown, right? Because we mm-hmm. have all these different narratives that we're putting in our mind or, 
it could be this, it could be that, and it's the unknown. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's where sometimes faith plays in, you know, and I think you kind of hit it on the head again of just being like, all you can do is control what you can, you mm -hmm. know, like this too shall pass. And, you know, and I always think like the silver lining is it could always be worse, which Absolutely. is kind of, you know, cause you, cause there could be someone in a worse situation. And then I start thinking like, oh God, but then I start getting guilty. Like, well, then why am I in this situation? Like I do yeah. then that's my thing with it. Um, but you know, I do the same thing too. I, I do have to remind myself that we are very fortunate to be in the situation that we're in, that we have the flexibility that I'm home and that our only worry right now is what our schedule is going to be like when there could be so many other things. So there, like you said, there is some guilt that comes along with that, but um, it is something that I remind myself that, you know, it could be much worse than it is. Well, and, and it shouldn't diminish author. It also shouldn't diminish you having those feelings because those are right. very valid. You know, I think it just, I know for me, it just kind of helps me snap back into being like, okay, look, you know, it could be worse. This is, this is your life. This is what it is. And how are we then going to navigate it? And what are we going to do? You know, right. I always say like, I give myself like 24 hours um, to feel whatever it is I need to feel. Mm -hmm. uh, Monday, I was feeling like that just with work. And I mean, it's great. And I love my job. But I mean, I'm at a high level um, in the position in the company. And so there's a lot of responsibility. I'm trying to do this blog thing. And I just had so much coming at me. And I just was feeling really like low mm -hmm. of just the, the impact. And then all of a sudden, like the next day, I was like, what am I doing? Like, you're doing what you love. You're doing this, like snap out of it. You know, you felt it, whatever keep it moving and that's kind of like I'm now I'm on the ride of like okay I'm keeping it moving you know yeah um, and that's important to allow yourself those times to just feel whatever you need to feel and it is. I had a podcast acknowledge that absolutely there was a woman actually from Hawaii and she had told me this is a piece of advice for anyone out there even for you Tashina I thought it was just awesome because I think one of the things for me once I became a mom I thought I was going to be kind of like on this high level mm -hmm. I think we're just gonna like we think we're I don't know why I just had this feeling I'm like, oh yeah, everything's gonna be good. And then it wasn't, and I suffered with depression and some anxiety and my anxiety kind of has never left. And she was like, as humans, we're like, we think everything has to be here. And then when we go down here, and for those of you, I'm making things with my hands and going up and down <laughs> like this wave. She's like, we think we have to be at the top of the wave at all times. She was like, but we have to allow ourselves that grace that when we fall, it's okay, but then just get back up. And I don't know, that just resonated with me because in those moments when I do get kind of like gloomy and just like, what is this? And I'm not feeling fulfilled. Am I doing the right thing? And all the things that kind of flow through my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm at the bottom. And it's okay. This is yeah. perfectly normal. I think we just think that once we're down, we're like, oh my God, what's wrong? I'm depressed. You know, I don't know. It like adds on to the anxiety of like, oh no, there's something wrong. And she's like, no, that is life. She's like, if we were more conditioned and saw in the media and things that it's okay to have those wave-like things, she's like, we actually would probably function better. But mm -hmm. we think when on Instagram or we see people happy all the time, so we think, no, we need to be happy all the time. And she's like, no, she's like, go with the waves. And that has kind of helped me because I'm like, okay, I'm at the bottom of the wave, but it's okay. I have a, I have a high wave coming and I'll just roll with it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it isn't realistic to expect that everything is always going to be, you know, sunshine and flowers. We do have those moments and we need to allow ourselves to, to have absolutely. them. But what, we, what do we see on TV? What do we see on social right. media? Everything is perfect. You know, like all these reels, right, of like smiling and not too much of people really saying the truth. Like, wait, I'm struggling right now, you know. Mm -hmm. So let's get into one of my favorite things that I love on your Instagram are your you shop for you meal prep for 10 days and you're shopping. Yeah. 
And I yeah. feel like that's a big thing um, um, for you as far as maybe on your Instagram. I don't know. I feel like every time when, when you post that, like I'll see people like having questions and your answer. Yeah. So tell me how that started. Um, and what are some of your favorite meals from, um, you know, your 10 day shopping meal prep? Um, so I've been meal planning since um, I was pregnant with my first daughter. So it's been probably about five and a half years. And um, there's been a consistent with that. I have meal planned ever since then. Wow. Yes. Um, part of it was because I was working at the time. And um, when we were living in Southern California, close to Los Angeles. And so I don't know if you're familiar with traffic around LA. Yes, I've been to it, LA twice. Yes, it is the worst. And so we were spending a lot of time in the car in the morning and in the evenings. And so um, you're there's like, not, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't want to just, you know, pick up little Caesars pizza every day, like we need to be eating well, we need to start our family, our growing family off on the we right foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And make sure that we're setting a good example for our kids that everybody's eating well. And so um, that's kind of where the desire to meal plan came from. It's just we needed to take better care of ourselves and we needed to manage our time and our money much better. And so um, I, we've been meal planning. At not, I won't even say we. My husband wants nothing to do with it. Whenever I ask him <laughs> what he wants in the meal plan, he's like, I don't care. Like, that's a blessing, though. Because <laughs> yeah. my husband's the same way. He's like, just make it. And yeah. sometimes that'll bother me. And then I hear my other friends struggling with like their husbands or like my dad is like, no, I want this. And I'm like, I'm happy that my husband's like, just feed me. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not even going to give him credit. I have been meal planning all this time. <laughs> and so, um, it's for a while I was doing, you know, six or seven, maybe five or six meals. We were still eating out at one point, once or twice a week. Sure, sure. But um, now that we have been sheltering in place, we have not been wanting to go to the store quite as often. And so that's kind of where the 10 day shopping has come from. 10 days is a good amount of time to. So let me just interrupt. So before COVID, I guess that's a good point. Before COVID, what did your meal plan look like? It was pretty similar. It was just not for 10 days. So it gotcha. was, we were shopping once a week, basically. Um, and we were still allowing ourselves to eat out once or twice a week. Gotcha. Um, and so now that we have been home all this time, um, where the cases in South Carolina are just really awful. And so we tried to minimize any time in the grocery store, any interaction okay. with, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And so um, that's where the 10 days came from. So that my husband actually is doing the shopping right now. And so he only has to go to the store three times out of the month, which is really perfect for us. And 10 days is also a good amount of time to make sure that like our food stays fresh and, you know, we're not wasting a lot of ingredients that we would need. So um, what we do for our meal plan is I choose 10 meals. Um, it's flexible. So I don't, we don't eat them in any particular order, but I choose 10 meals and those are our dinner at night. And then I make enough so that we have leftovers for the next day. Okay. And this was really handy for us when, um, we were both working out of when I was teaching and my husband was working outside of the house, um, that we could just pack our lunches and have them. And we weren't having to buy food in the middle of the day. And so now I like it because we're at home and we're not having to cook food in the middle of the day. Sure, sure. So um, that's how our meal plan basically works. I just put 10 dinners on there and then we eat the leftovers for lunch. And then breakfast is always just like cereal or oatmeal and fruit, just something really basic and fast. 
Sure. Um, and over time, because you said you've been doing this for a long time, have you perfected, like, I know some of the meals that you have, which are like awesome and they sound like so good, but something that's still child friendly or kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how, over the years, have you perfected like what really works and, you know, what is consistent that, you know, okay, can go a long way, tastes good. And for the most part, you know, everyone eats. Yeah. Um, so um, first of all, I only make easy meals <laughs> um, because when I started this, you know, I was pregnant and then I had a newborn and I've had young children in my house for a long, a long time. time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can't do anything that's time consuming or anything that's going to take a lot of attention away from them. Yeah. And um, a lot of times they're actually in the kitchen helping me too. So I try to pick things where they're able to contribute and it's not a problem. Awesome. And so um, I would definitely say over time, things have gotten better. <laughs> um, when my husband and I first started dating forever ago, the only thing that I knew how to make was spaghetti pretty much. Like I, and I still don't even consider myself like a great cook right now, but I make things that are edible. And um, I think because we've been eating pretty much the same things, since my kids are born, they're used to it now. Sure. Um, so they, I don't really get complaints, you know, when I make anything, <laughs> they, there's always something on the plate that they will enjoy. Now, let, but let me ask, um, what is, where's, where's your background? Where you said your dad, what's your background again? Your family? My dad is black and my mom is Filipino. Filipino. So do you make any Filipino dishes? Uh, they're not really part of our regular rotation. <laughs> Um, for two reasons. One is a lot of Filipino. So I know how to make, I don't know if you're familiar with Filipino food, but I know how to make lumpia, which is um, like the Filipino egg roll that okay, yeah. they're known for. Um, I know how to make pancit, which is a noodle dish. Okay. And I know how to make um, adobo or chicken adobo usually is how it's prepared, but we're not eating meat anymore. Mm. And so Um, That's a main ingredient in a lot of Filipino meals. (laughs) And so um, one thing I've been experimenting with is making a vegetable adobo. So it's basically like soy sauce and onions and vinegar. What about like with tofu or something with that? Um, Tofu has not been very successful in our house. (laughs) Oh, as far as like for people like, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, same thing. I think it, it depends on who it's cooked by, how it's cooked, how it's seasoned. My right. husband will eat it, but um, I don't know. It has to be. Yeah. Cooked. So, I mean, instead of meat, we have been eating like a lot of potatoes, a lot more beans, a lot of um, like mushrooms or eggplant, just like heartier vegetables. Sure, sure. Um, and so I don't cook a lot of Filipino food because a lot of it does a lot of it in it mm-hmm. and um some of it is also very time consuming and like i said i like to do things that are no i just thought maybe <laughs> did you feel it was important to expose your daughters because food especially when you're talking cultures outside of america you know mm-hmm. like it's all food and the spices yes. you know i'm puerto rican and italian so i grew up on spaghetti and pasta and i mean spaghetti and sauce and rice and beans my husband's jamaican and guyanese so Mm-hmm. We have a, you know, I cook with a lot of curry. I cook with a lot of um, adobo, make my own sofrito. So, you know, mm-hmm. I try to, because the same thing in Puerto Rico and even in Jamaican culture, actually all, all of them, even Italian, it's sausage. It's a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, we do eat meat, but in the home, I try to cook more plant-based. 
Right. Um, so I've tried to over the years, okay, well, maybe how can I, you know, season this up to where there's still some Latin flavor, there's still some Jamaican flavor, there's still some Italian flavor. Yeah. And not having like, you know, the hundred million, like lots of cheese and the meat and yes. all that. So that's what I thought, like, how did that feel? Like, was it really important for you and your husband to kind of expose your daughter, your daughters to both your culture? Because even, you know, your father's black. So mm-hmm. soul food and Southern food and things like that. Yeah. Um, so they definitely get that. Um, I, when my mom comes to visit, we do sit okay. down and like make a big deal about making lumpia. And mm-hmm. um, so they definitely had it. And I even have the recipe for chicken adobo on my blog and they've had it before. Just recently it hasn't been gotcha. in our menu as much. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, even when I was growing up, though, those weren't foods that we ate regularly in our house. They were more of like for special occasions. Sure. So like when people were sitting around eating turkey for Thanksgiving, we were having Filipino food. Nice. And so we'll keep, you know, those will, they'll keep coming up when we're, um, you know, of I, course, when my mom visits and then for holidays and things like that. Okay. No, that's good. Um, yeah, I think the same thing. I think it's like the time of the year that, you know, or the holidays or when the family's together. And like you said, you know, Filipino food does take a long time, then it's not something you can just put together. Like I can put curry on chicken, you know, and make some r- rice and peas and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of in the Asian cultures, it's more, you know, there's a lot of things are being made from scratch. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more time consuming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's an extra shopping trip because you I was have just to gonna go say, to the yeah. specialty stores to find the ingredients. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so let's see, what else? Can, okay. Um, I know we discussed a little bit about COVID and you said that your husband goes out a few times a month. So you guys haven't left your house at all during these last, now we're going into what, since March? Yeah, it'll be, it's about to be five months. Um, so we actually kind of broke down the other day and not broke down. I'm not, I don't have any <laughs> shame in it at all, but we, um, you know, my husband and I have been talking because it is not realistic to continue staying in the house. Lately, the girls have been asking to go places or just asking to see people. And so we're trying to figure out Um, Because he does have a lot of family who lives here, like all of our in-laws are here. And so we are trying to figure out a way where we can all can, where we can somehow spend time together and not have to be. Right, exactly. And so we actually went out to a park here um, earlier this week, very open, very few people there. And we spent a little bit of time with their cousins and like that was, it was wonderful it wasn't stressful at all. You know, we had our mask just in case, but um, it was really, it was nice. And so I definitely picture ourselves, you know, doing some things like that, just being out in open spaces and yeah. enjoying that time together. Yeah, I think um, for me, I think the, the scary parts are the enclosed spaces. Like the saying, like, I don't yeah. shop. I don't, sh- I, I realize I'm like, I guess, not that I shop every 10 days, but like once a week, if that maybe. but I've also do a lot of like um, ordering. I order from Thrive Market, which I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it's a um, online, like healthy, um, I guess, food store. So mm-hmm. it's a little pricey, but they have really good um, like coconut, amino, cooking oil infused with garlic. So things like that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I try to, again, when I'm home cooking, cook as healthy as I, as I can. But that's through order, so I get that delivered. Um, so I do try to n- avoid the large crowds, like even though I am at work, but there's like, I don't know, maybe 10 people, 15 people in the office, and we're all kind of spaced out. We don't really, we're not standing on top of each other. The building itself is empty because still some people are working from home. Mm-hmm. So it's actually been good because there are still people who are working from home and aren't 
you know, in small yeah. spaces. Um, I think the issue comes from, yes, when you have a lot of places, when you have um, a lot of people, a lot of people in places that are on top of each other. And that's where I'm like, Ooh, you know, yeah. that I wish people would just, you know, follow the rules. Cause that's where I think the, um, the spread is even more so, you know, I just had a girlfriend who lost her dad um, yeah. to COVID and she's like, you know, I, there's so, cause in Florida, you don't even know, like everyone, you have some people that think it's a hoax, like it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. um and she was like look if anyone thinks this is a hoax she's like just delete me because i saw firsthand you know yeah. um so it is it is scary but at the same time it's like i can't stop living you know like right. i have to come into work i don't have the option to work from home like and all i can do is just pray and hope you know and us be as safe as we can you know we don't we're not seeing our our friends like we used to you know we're, we're not going out all we can do is go out come home you know yeah, as we need exactly. to and do the best that we can but i'm glad that you guys were able to go out that's good yeah, I mean, obviously, our physical health is super important. That's why we have been adamant about staying home all this time. But now it's starting to take a mental toll. And if there are ways that we can safely interact with people outside of our home, then um, we're definitely at a point right now where <laughs> we're exploring that. Yeah, That's for awesome. sure. That's awesome. Um, so I know we kind of briefly had talked about this, but I do think it's important to talk about. Um, because you are Filipino and Black and you were raising two beautiful Black girls, why don't you talk a little bit about um, what you want to instill in them and what you want them, what you want to have as far as empowering them um, and to know as they grow older? Because I know we've discussed that um, they've kind of had instances where they've known that they are different, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, especially being in maybe in a town where it's predominantly white and there's not a lot of people of color. Yeah. Um, so why don't you just quickly or not quickly, but just touch base on what, you know, you are trying to raise your daughters in, in empowering them um, because they are two beautiful little brown girls. And, you know, some people are not going to see them as equal, especially as they grow older. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we so growing up in my house, it. I knew that I was Filipino and black, but it wasn't really like acknowledged regularly. There wasn't this whole movement that's happening right now with Black Lives Matter. There wasn't any extra attempt to show that our skin color, that our ethnicity was appreciated or valued. And so um, that's just something that I want my girls to know is that they're not any less than because of how they look or because of where their family comes from, that they are equally capable of accomplishing anything that they put their minds to or anything that they desire. And so um, that's just kind of how we go through the day is, you know, um, you know, some people might have their opinions. That doesn't mean that they're right. An opinion is just how you feel about something. But as long as you know who you are and you know that you're amazing, that you're capable, that's all that matters. And so um, we've been doing this through, most of it has been through reading books. We have um, a lot of books that feature characters of color or characters that have hair like theirs or characters um, that look like all different kinds of people. And so um, I think that just encouraging them to embrace diversity and know that they, everybody is, I don't want to say, I mean, everybody is equal, but you know, that we're all equally capable. Sure, I love that. Um, that's, been, that's been helpful and that's been important. Um, 
but like you said, we do live in an area where there isn't a lot of diversity. And so just trying to expose them to different people has been a little bit of a challenge, but something that's important to us. Sure. But I think it's, I look, books, everything, right? Books are the starting point of so many things, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I guess that's a good point of you saying, you know, maybe it wasn't talked about a lot in your family to where you were like, okay, I know I'm Filipino and black, but you know, it wasn't, let's say like, oh, you're this, because maybe your parents didn't, you know, just, especially back then, it just wasn't something that was discussed. Mm -hmm. um, so are you making, you are making that conscious effort to be like, okay, yeah. you know what, I'm not going to act like, it's not going to be a difference that I, I'm raising two, you know, brown skinned little girls who yeah. have this beautiful curly hair that is unlike, or is going to be unlike a lot of their classmates. So instead of just not talking about it, then let's embrace it and talk about it. So I guess when a time does come, they're like, yeah, I know my hair is and X, Y, Z, and it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my grandparents, so my mom's parents, they, um, they migrated from the Philippines in the like 1940s. And at the time it was all about assimilation. They just wanted to blend into the crowd. They just wanted to be like everybody else. That was what they had to do to survive though. Back exactly. Then. Yeah. And so my mom learned very little about the culture. She mm -hmm. didn't learn how to speak the language at all. She doesn't know any, she knows, well, she understands a little bit of Tagalog, but she did not learn enough to teach to us. Wow. And so that's just, I mean, I'm so disappointed now that I'm adult and I'm like, I have this opportunity for all this richness to be included. And, you know, it's just, it's gone basically now. Mm -hmm. And so whatever little bit I have from both sides of my family and um, my father actually passed away last summer. Oh, and so I'm like, oh, now I've lost that connection too on this side. And so I'm just trying to pull whatever I can. And um, my husband also, we're just trying to cling to whatever little remnants of our history and our ancestry that we can and make sure that our girls know about it all. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, talking about assimilation, um, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather um, from Puerto Rico, so they spoke English, but in remote teen, I don't know, 60s, 70s, if you were Puerto Rican in New York, like you were considered just like the lowest of the low, even though they mm -hmm. were quote unquote American citizens because they were a territory of the United States, they spoke Spanish. So the right. Americans here were like, heck is this and they the school system didn't know there was no esau programs um yeah. there was no programs to help these children who knew who knew spanish so instead of teaching them english they actually thought that they were dumb so they would hold them back yeah. my grandfather um would not allow my father or my aunts and my uncles to speak spanish out in public because he was like the minute we do we're going to be treated differently mm -hmm. um, so I think that stuck with my dad and he knows Spanish, um, but we were never taught it because again, it gets passed down. So if you're not speaking it and you're not, you're not being taught to be proud of it because you have to assimilate to blend in to survive, you kind of lose that. Um, so it was important for me with my son, um, he's actually in a Spanish speaking, uh, a, a Spanish immersion um, program at preschool. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to lose that. And I wish, I wish I knew. And I'm like, God, it, you know, would have been awesome. But again, you know, back then it just wasn't, you know, you had to kind of um, assimilate and, and do what you had to do to survive, you know? And I'm yeah. like, I couldn't even imagine not being able to speak your language because you knew you'd be persecuted or got, you know, thrown out or whatever you'd be. So they were like, no, we have to speak English otherwise. Yeah, that's so frustrating. I had, when I was teaching in Compton, actually, there was a really large Hispanic community and a lot of children in my class um, 
Spanish was their first language. And so I did have to learn a little bit of Spanish just to get through the school day with them. And many of their parents I couldn't even communicate with without a translator because my Spanish is just not that strong. Yeah. And so, um, but one thing I did always emphasize to them was to keep speaking to their kids in Spanish so that they don't lose that because I mean, when I look at so many other countries in the world, they speak their native language and they speak English. And I'm just, I don't understand why here in the United States where we have so many beautiful cultures and so many things that we can learn from other people, why we don't embrace that and why it's people have to speak English here. Like it's just, it's no, and when they teach another language, you're in high school. By then, no one retains that. Again, okay. studies show it's when my son's age. My son is going to be three. And I know he speaks, like, he'll say things in, like, a little Spanish accent. And I yeah. know he knows because the teachers only speak to him in Spanish. And a lot of the teachers don't know much English there either. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I talk to the director, and it's fine. Um, but as he gets old into the older classes, like, they write in Spanish. They read in Spanish along with English. Right. Um, but I'm like, that's the age where they retain it. Not when we're in high school, when it's like, right. you have to learn. Like, no, it's like, they way should too be late doing by that. Then. Correct. And I think you're right. It's like all these other countries, which is another rabbit hole we can go down because <laughs> yes, we should be. I mean, it, whether it's made, whatever, not just Spanish, French, Mandarin, anything, the anything. opportunity should be there. We are such a quote unquote rich country. We should have those resources to offer our children because mm-hmm. they're doing such a disservice, you know? Absolutely. And I was feeling really guilty too. One of my very best friends was born and raised in China. And so Mandarin is her first language. And um, we actually didn't meet until college, but she would always come to me for help learning English or help with things related to English. And I would always be like, oh, look at this great service I'm doing my friend by helping her. And then looking back, I was like, I should have been learning Mandarin from her. I should have been picking up all of this. Why did I think that I was too good to learn Mandarin? Like, I, it's just really disappointing that we're not taught to embrace, to take advantage of these opportunities. Yes, absolutely. That's actually another good point. Same thing. I mean, when my friends spoke Spanish, I had so many friends in middle school that spoke Spanish that were from Colombia and that they, you know, Spanish was their first language, but they also spoke English very well. Um, and I could have taken advantage, but I'm like, oh, they're speaking Spanish, like, and I'm his, you know, Latin. And I'm like, no, yeah. I don't need to know that. And then it's not until I've gotten older. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's so rich and rewarding to embrace that, you know. Um, but maybe one day, I guess, again, it starts with us and what we expose our children to. And that's, that's all that we can do, right? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, too, is not only, um, I mean, I think it is important to empower our children, but also to... Um, to help educate other people and to help other people to help other people to see the value in our children not just teach our kids um and that i mean i guess there there is a movement also for non people of color (laughs) um who are making that effort now and i'm glad to see it i just hope that it continues to spread same yeah i hope too i hope it's not just not a fad but you know in my heart i don't think it is you know, my husband, he's, he, my husband could be cynical at times because my husband does a lot of research. So like, he'll see so much. He's like, I think what is happening, he's like, I know it's horrible. And the, you know, the way the country is right now, he's like, but if we do the right thing, he's like, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom per se. And he's like, I think America's like, we're kind of, you know, yeah. for, for our day and age, right? So he's like, I think we need this to rise. And I was like, you know what, he's right. I'm like, because I've never seen as much as there's a lot of 
um, people who um, are trying to divide us and I'll go on Facebook and I'll see comments and I'm like, oh my gosh. But Don't a lot of read the Facebook comments. Oh, yeah, I know because yes. And I'm like, really? Like people think that way. But then like, when I go on Instagram, I see so many moms, white moms who are trying to make a change and they look like they're trying to make an effort. So that gives me hope when I do see that. Um, but I do hope it stays. Okay, Tashina, so let's get into, well, I guess my last question, what have you learned during quarantine? This will be my last thing about COVID and quarantine um, that you hope to kind of take with you once this all kind of, you know, goes away and we do have some kind of return to normalcy. Yeah, um, I mean, the biggest thing I'm taking away right now is, well, there's two things. One is just that I have a lot to be grateful for because it's so easy when, in everyday life just to take so much of your life for granted. So I, I do feel very fortunate that we have, you know, that we have a roof overhead and food on our table every night. Um, uh, so gratitude would be the biggest thing is just counting my blessings constantly. And then the other thing would just be the strength of my family. Um, I know that a lot of people are having a hard time in their personal lives right now. And um, I really feel like my husband and I are doing as a couple in our relationship, we're doing better than we have in a really long time. We've really come together and um, also been able to have a lot more quality time with our kids. And so um, that has been a big thing is just learning the, the strength and the important. I mean, obviously I knew I, my family was important, but just sure. like, yeah, seeing that in action as we're going through something difficult together and being able to. And is there something that. that you want to continue to do that you, let's say, had to start during quarantine, whether it's let's say there was a tradition that you were like, you know what, you know, we've been having to do this to, you know, whether it's getting the girls up at a certain time or just doing little things mm -hmm. that is there like a thing that you want to continue doing post quarantine that, that you're like, yeah, I want to keep doing this. I mean, there's a few things. Um, like you just said, it's something about a schedule that definitely has been the only way that I have kept my sanity is, I mean, you would think being at home all day, we'll just be relaxed and we'll chill out, but that is not the case at all. We've definitely had to keep all of our schedules more organized um, so that we're staying productive and not productive in the sense that we're doing, you know, busy work, but just so that we're staying, keeping the girls engaged and just making the most of the time that we have. Um, because the, in the very beginning, right when we first started staying at home, I was like, we're just going to chill. Like, we're just going <laughs> to do whatever we want. And I was like, and then after a few days, it was very clear to me that that was not going to work. And so... Um, I made a schedule and we've been, it's not, a, it's a very flexible schedule, but just right. making sure that we have activities to do during the day or that there are designated times for free play and designated times for TV and that, you know, we're sitting down all together at the end of the day and having dinner and just yeah. little things like that. Yeah. I think when there's no schedule, I know for me, I get scatterbrained. Like I didn't okay. realize, I didn't realize how much a schedule and things like that meant to me until I didn't necessarily follow one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm like scatterbrained. Like, I'm like, wait, what are we mm -hmm. going to do? And, you know, I was like, no, I need to at least see something on a list. Maybe not follow it exactly, but I need to see a list and then kind of pick and choose what I'm going to do. For yeah, me. definitely. I mean, I was thinking about when I was working and like, I used to, when I was pumping, I used to wake up at five o'clock. I would get to work by seven. I would have meetings and prep for my class in the morning, then go through a whole day of topics and lesson plans with my kids and grade things after school and come home and do all these things. And I'm like, how did I fit so much into one day? 
And now that I'm realizing, oh, it's because I was managing my time much better than I am <laughs> now. So you can just accomplish a lot more. You can, um, and it also tires you out at the end of the day. <laughs> so yeah. you're actually ready to go to bed at night. Yeah. So um, yeah, I would definitely say making sure that I, that we have some type of routine, a consistent routine has been helpful. Yeah, so important. I don't think they tell you that either in a parent handbook, but I feel like that's just so key. Kids thrive on routines too. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, keep, keep them so safe and secure as, as basic as it sounds. But I know them looking forward to is like, no, did we know this is going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is so important. Okay, Tachina, let's get into always my favorite part, getting to know a little bit about you. Um, what is your favorite movie? Um, I, my husband and I talk about stuff like this all the time. Like we're so bad at picking favorites, like favorite movie, okay, favorite so what's color, a movie that favorite you, food. That you catch yourself like watching anytime it's on or that you could see over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I really love watching movies from like my childhood. Um, like this is not my favorite movie by any means, but I just watched Clueless again on Netflix. <laughs> so and I was like, it just like, it's funny, first of all, but it just like brought me back to all these like, to the 90s, basically. And so I love watching just like movies that remind me of a time in my earlier life. um, And that bring a smile to my face, just things that are funny. Um, What about your favorite book or book that you'd like to recommend to anyone in the podcast world? Yeah, I think um, so I'm actually getting ready to read Becoming again by Michelle Obama. She just recently started a podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I have been seeing a lot of little snippets here and there. And so I'm, I'm going to listen to it. But um, my husband and I together have been wanting to read it. Um, so oh, wow. it would Your be husband his, too? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After seeing um, her special on Netflix, the, he has become very interested in her story as well. Yeah, no, she's, um, she's phenomenal. I loved how she was able to break down in her book to resonate with people of all walks of life and really mm-hmm. break it down. And if someone had maybe an idea of how she grew up or an idea, whatever, she was able to really break it down and say, whether it was an affirmative action, um, she just, just phenomenal. I love her. A good book that I'm reading, and I'm going to put this out there is, do you know Elaine Welterworth? I don't. Okay. Well, she's a fashion and beauty editor. Um, I think she was the first one, uh, first black uh, fashion beauty editor for Condé Nast magazine, so Teen Vogue. Mm-hmm. Um, she has this big, beautiful, curly, natural hair that's like this big, love her. Um, yes. And her book, you want to talk about female just empowerment. Oh my gosh. It's called More Than Enough. And it goes through just her story of being biracial. Her father's white, her mother's black, mm-hmm. um, and how she never kind of felt in. But she just has quotes and just the way she, it's just, I'm just like, that's a book like I'll probably go back and read like over and yeah. over again. And I've earmarked pages, um, just great positivity and just female empowerment, like all the way. So I, I that. recommend that for you. Yeah, no, great, 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 great story. Um, and she's young. Um, I think she's like maybe just turning 30 because she started young, which is why it was oh, such wow. a big deal because she yeah. was the first black woman and young to do it. Like she had to hide her age because people wouldn't take her seriously. Yeah. Um, but she kind of broke down her barrier. She started at Ebony Magazine. Great book. That's so impressive. I had to put that out there because I haven't read a book like that got me so hyped since coming, and now it's this one. So, Um, what is your favorite indulgence? My favorite indulgence. I mean, I just love anything that is sugar. I I am a sugar addict, so every type of dessert, I will be the first person to dig in. 
Mm-hmm. What um do you try and make like healthier like alternatives? Do you like agave? So here's my opinion about dessert. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to indulge or you really want, if you have like a taste that you really want to satisfy, I believe that you should allow yourself to have it. My and girl, then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, if I want to eat a Reese's, I'm going to eat a Reese's. Like I'm not going to go for the, or if I want a piece of cake, I'm going to. How do you, how do you show that with your girls though? Because they are so young. So I, I'm a hundred percent, but I also believe like my son is two and a half. I'm like, he does not need to eat M&Ms. Like that's me, you know, I'm like, cause mm-hmm. then once he gets, he's going to be like, I want to eat M&Ms for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. So how do you maintain it though with your girls? Do you hide your candy? Do you like, what do you do? They, so, um, we always have candy in our house. <laughs> my mom lives in California and she loves sending little treats and things to us. And so we just keep them. Um, so right now the, the girls have a way that they actually earn treats, which I don't, food shouldn't always be a reward, but they have um, little charts that we use. Yeah. So we have little charts that we use that, um, you know, every five days they get, they earn stamps and every so often for the stamps, they earn a treat and then they get to pick whatever it is they want, whether it's a piece of candy or a cookie. We usually have it in our house. Um, And so they get those treats. So they understand that it's maybe not an everyday food, but it's something that they can enjoy on occasion. Um, And then we do also make healthy alternatives. So, um, those can be enjoyed whenever they want to. But my, my kids honestly just love fruits. They will eat food all day and be completely happy. So it's not like they're ever like, oh, I need to have a cookie. I'm going to have a fit. Yeah, I mean, no, that's like, awesome. Here's some apple slices and they'll be fine. Same thing with my son. Um, yeah, he loves, I'm like, oh yeah, he's an island boy. Like he can eat a mango like there's no tomorrow. He yes. doesn't even, my he husband. love mangoes. He'll take, my husband started teaching him how to eat an apple straight. He's been eating an apple like whole since, yeah. you know, like I was like, babe, really? And he's like, well, you've got to learn someday. Yeah. So, like, he's just like this little man, just like walking around with an apple. Like he loves it, fruits. Um, uh-huh. But you know, and then it's crazy because my husband had bought this like quinoa dark chocolate bar that is like has flaxseed. Like to me, I'm like, really? And my son loves it. So I'm like, hey, that, if you like a cacao quinoa, chocolate but he thinks it's chocolate so he just eats chocolate so yeah like, mommy this is yummy and I'm like okay that works <laughs> perfect enjoy that we just made um popsicles that were literally just um raspberry lemonade with frozen strawberries in them and the girls have been like acting like they're the biggest treats like they're so excited about them like That's oh awesome. I'm having it like and they're we just made them in our ice cube tray so they're I mean they're pretty small but they like are acting like they're just eating like the greatest thing in the world. That's awesome. I actually bought some popsicle molds, but I haven't even, I haven't even had time to make them. Um, mm-hmm. but, I, but I want to, because that's like, who doesn't want a popsicle? Like, in, you know, and it's all fruit. I'd be like, kid, knock yourself out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the ice cube ones because then you could also do like small or do a couple at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. They're nice and little. We actually haven't been able to, we were looking for popsicle molds because we have, a Amazon. summer bucket list. Oh, okay. We just have to order them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Amazon <laughs> is like, I know. I just Googled something and I found them. The only thing is I didn't realize they had stainless steel and I we we're trying to do like away with like plastic yeah. and we don't use a lot of paper towels. Like I'm really trying to be green at home. 
Um, but I got plastic molds and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I had stainless steel, but it's okay. We still could reuse that. I didn't realize that, that stainless steel was an option either. Yeah. Someone, one of my friends who's also trying to go green, she's like, oh yeah, we found these. I'm like, oh, but yeah, Amazon, you know, Amazon has everything. Of course, um, yeah. So what has motherhood taught you? A lot. <laughs> I was actually this morning, they both came into my room and um when i was my husband and i were still sleeping they both came in early this morning and lay down with us and fell back asleep and so um they didn't they usually wake up around like seven and they slept in like a whole extra like hour today <laughs> and so um i was just like you know what i'm not gonna wake them up i'm not gonna move them like i'm just gonna enjoy this moment and so seeing how fast they grow and having little moments like that it's just teaching me really to just to savor every little memory and to savor all of their little stages that they're going through. Going too fast. Uh, yeah, so fast. Like I really, I can't believe how how grown they are now. When is, um? so they are five and three. So when are their birthdays? When are they gonna be six and four? They have spring birthdays. So oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah one turned three at the end of March and the other was at the beginning of May. So we still have a while. <laughs> no, you still have a little while, but still, no. I And I, for me, it's like not even the age. It's just every day it's something new. Like when my son comes home from school, like yesterday he came home and I was just on the living room floor watching him because he's like, mommy, come sit, come play with me. And I'm like, okay. Even though I'm like, oh my God, I have so many things to do. But mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here with him. And he's just putting his little blocks together. And he's like, oh, you got to find the instructions. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we need the instructions. So he found it. He's like, is this the old one, mommy? And I'm just like watching him and I'm like, mm-hmm. And I'm just yeah. seeing him and I'm like, God, every day is just just something new. And yeah, just that. Always, um, you know, my husband asked the five-year-old to do something the other day. I don't even remember what it is, what it was, but um, she was like, daddy, that's a lot to ask of me. I'm only five and that's very stressful. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> who is this little adult? It was so funny <laughs> when they'd come out and you're like, oh my gosh, like it was just last year he couldn't talk like this. And I'm yeah. like, and I, and I was like getting a little sad because I'm like, I don't even remember when that transition was. Like, I'm like, how did I miss? Because he went from like, you know, speaking a little bit to I'm like, we have full blown conversations with this little man. And I'm like, mm -hmm. when did that come? Like, it's, uh, you know, it's bittersweet, you know? It's yeah. Very I mean, I, I'm so proud of all the things that they are learning and can do, but then I'm also like, oh, my babies are gone. <laughs> They're never coming back. Yeah, very, um, yeah, it's, it's again, bittersweet. Um, so because you are a stay-at-home mom with your girls, what do you do for you, Tashino? What do you do as part of your self-care routine? you and your husband are home, but obviously he's working. How do you make time? So two questions. How, what do you do for yourself? And how do you make sure that you and your husband have your time together? Yeah. Um, so recently, in the past couple of weeks, I actually made a separate schedule for myself um, mm -hmm. because we have been using um, a schedule, like a flexible schedule for the girls. And that was a really good way to make sure that they were, you know, staying occupied and happy all day. But I went ahead and I made myself a schedule so that I do have the times that I need for myself. And so my husband understands, like, I'm, I'm clocking out right now. Like, I'm nice. going to go upstairs. Okay. I'm going to read a book or whatever it is. Um, he and I together, we mostly just been watching TV at night. <laughs> that's, that's how we relax and unwind. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. You guys friends. check in? Like, do you guys check in? Like, I know my husband and I kind of have that too. Like, at nighttime, we'll check in. Or honestly, for me, when I'm, I call him on my lunch break. Mm -hmm. 
because there's sometimes in the morning, like we don't speak to each other. I'm, you know, trying to rush out the house or Jace wants me in the morning. Um, so, um, you know, so it's like lunchtime. I'm like, okay, where are we at? What did I miss? How was this? Mm-hmm. And then of course, right when we're ready to go to bed, we kind of check in, talk. And then, yeah, I'm like reading my book. He's doing his thing, you know, in the bed. Um, yeah. and that's how we kind of check in. Yeah. I mean, we're the same way at nighttime. We, that's when we have our longest conversations, but since he is home during the day, we do, I kind of make him stop in. <laughs> like if something is really on my mind or we need to figure something out. I, I'm glad that now I have the the luxury of talking to him all throughout the day. That's awesome. So, I mean, I'm sure that's a big contributor to why our relationship is so close right now. But um, yeah, we just do our best to to speak openly and to communicate as often as possible. Which I think is the key to any relationship, right? Um, in any professional, personal, I tell everyone, I'm like, communication, communication. I can't mm-hmm. understand. I can't help you. If you don't tell me, you can't help me. We can't solve a problem if I don't know there's a problem there. Um, it's those hard conversations and I'm fortunate that I like to talk. (laughs) My husband doesn't. So I'm usually the one that kind of like, Hey, let's check in. What's going on? Are you happy? I'm happy. This is what I'm feeling. Otherwise. So he's on a, that's, you know, my husband's like one of those one track and I'm the one that's like, Nope, let's let's break it out. Let's go. Yeah. I think I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, okay. So final. So what advice do you want to leave for your daughters? What advice or what are your last words? Do you want to say something for your daughters? Do you want to say something to the podcast world? What would you like to end this with? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, to my daughters and to anybody else is just to to embrace yourself, to be you, to, um, I mean, always learn from other people and take little bits and pieces where you feel like you need it or you want it in your life, but ultimately listen to your heart and what's going to work best for you and um, always find solutions that are going to make you happy. Awesome. I love that. Thank you, Tashina. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.